Welcome to Wampa Radio. This is a podcast about Star Wars Unlimited, everything else Star Wars related, especially the cards and the strategies and the rules and the pictures and the and the things and the tauntaun oh, goo. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to mention that because uh, for for those of you who don't know, we do show notes before we record. Blake decided to throw in this line for me. He wrote this for me. Today's episode slices open our creative minds and let the tauntaun goo of good ideas seep out as we show you six of our card designs for Star Wars Unlimited. Now, before I even address any of that, let me tell you, today's the exact opposite of a tauntaun experience. If you are watching us on YouTube, for example, it might look a little bit darker in my office. I'm refusing to turn on any lights. I don't have to. I've been without AC for two weeks. I need a full replacement. They cannot get out until the 7th and the 8th of August. I am sweating already. So I feel like I'm inside of a Tauntaun's carcass right now. So the fact that you put this in tells me uh, that you were taunting me. And I, sir, genuinely appreciate it. Bravo. I'm, oh. I'm proud of you. Oh, thank you. Uh, you're welcome. I I wanted to seep it in there because I didn't know if you were going to read it. Uh, again, I write. Oh, of course. I I read them. I just ignore them most of the time. Yeah, and and what's great about this is it's like we are more of the hand grenade version of uh, script readers, not the precise snipers. We are we're we're good with close enough. Uh, that's usually what we do. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of really wanted that line to be said. And I just, I kind of threw it out there because I, I wanted you to just not skip over that one. Well, you're welcome. Thank you know what you. else we're not going to skip over? What's that, Charmer? The Wampa Cave Pole of the Week. Oh, well done. Okay, that's, that's what we call a segue. Um, <laughs> you didn't blow not a tire. confused with the uh, scooters that you... True story. Drive around downtown while inebriated. The dude who invented the um, invented it actually perished to his own device, if I'm not mistaken. I think it like malfunctioned, or he like piloted himself off a cliff, or something like that. Yeah, his name was Director Krennic, right? No, he was you idiot. Killed by the device that he helped create. No, that's not how that goes. <laughs> what? We stand here amidst my achievement. I think it's still one of the best. <laughs> The best, the best uh, characters in all of Star Wars lore, but not the best because I will, we'll get into that after the poll. The poll of, of course, the Wampa Cave poll of the week that you can find every week uh, at Wampa Radio on whatever the hell the platform is called it's now. It's Twitter. It is Twitter. It's, it's Twitter. It's Twitter. It's not anything else. It's not uh, X-Wing or whatever the hell they want to call it because we're going to give it a Star Wars little flip a rooney dooney on it but here was the question for the wampa cave poll of the week what do you most want to see star wars unlimited reveal at gen con now the options were more cards organized play schedule star wars unlimited game genix products and finally the official release date now you will be at gen con so I will. Why don't you tell us what you want the most first? What I want personally is to see more cards because 
hear me out, gang. I know that a lot of folks, and the poll shows it, really wanted an official release date. However, I also know that it's going to release at some point. So what I want to know is more cards, right? How do I prepare? How do I plan? What else can I get excited for? Yes, I would like to know the release date, and I would really prefer if it was sooner rather than later but for me personally i just want to see more of the game like everything i see from the game gets me more excited about the game because i keep getting this like reinforcement of the idea that they are doing things right especially from a design perspective and so uh, i went with more cards on this poll personally so let's go through the the results here the leader by and far which is what i probably would like uh this is what i voted for the official release date with 69.5%, followed by what you want, which is more cards, at 16.9%. Tied for last is the OP schedule and the Star Wars U Game Genics product partnership, whatever the hell they're going to be uh, releasing there. I want the official release date mainly because I just, the cards will come. Like, it's funny because we both have the sort of same approach where you're like, yeah, it's going to release. So we don't necessarily need to know the date. Whereas I'm saying, well, yeah, well, when we know the release date, we'll know when all the cards are going to be released. So I guess they're kind of intertwined there, but I would really like to know when I can go and buy it, when I could, you know, yeah. rip it open and, and enjoy it. I. I also want to plan probably like some sort of release event. I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of stores doing stuff and I would like to do hopefully something with you. So I do want the date. I guess part of the other reason that I voted for more cards is that when it comes to card games in general, whether they're digital, physical, whatever, my favorite time of any sort of like news cycle is when a set is about to release and you get those card reveals. I love the wild speculation. I love people you know, saying, hey, it's the best card ever. It's the worst card ever. Everybody's excited day after day. It's that like slow drip into your IV of just hype and fun. And I I like that experience. So for me, you know, whenever they reveal more cards and obviously we're going to cover more uh, in this podcast, I don't know that just that does it for me. So I I yeah, I want more cards. Give me more. For all of you Magic the Gathering players, that feeling no longer exists because you're always getting new releases. Uh, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. every day there's a new card being spoiled. So, But this, for us at least, like the official release date for me is partially because, yeah, it's, you know, like I want to sit down and play the game and whatnot. But to me, the official release date is kind of this, t this milestone in the game where everything has to be known by that date. So it's kind of this finality to it from a certain degree of like when the game releases, we'll know um, what all the cards are. We're going to know a little bit about what the first wave of tournaments are going to be, <laughs> things like that. And I know that that's not always 100% guaranteed. Trust me, I have struggled with other games trying to figure out what the hell is going on. But uh, let me just say real quick before we move on. The Admiral Thrawn level IQ play here would have been to pick organized play schedule because if you know when they're going to run big events, you know it's released by then. But yeah. you get more info on top of it. That's true. But I mean, at that rate, it's like you're being a little too cute here. It's like, you know, the obvious pick is Wayne Gretzky. So don't don't say Yari Curry because you want to be cool about it. No, no, no. It's it, the number one pick is you always pick Wayne Gretzky in the hockey draft and you always pick Tiger Woods in the golf draft. OK, so there you have it. That's the Wapa Cave poll of the week. New one will go up on Sunday. Uh, I accidentally let this one marinate only for 24 hours instead of the standard like 72. So the 
the broader oh, scope. Man, you you pulled a, a stop the count, huh? I did. I I saw that it was going well. I it, normally what I do is I usually just put it for seventy two hours. Uh, this one I just forgot to do it because Twitter. I think when I did put it up was in this gigantic uproar and I had no clue what the hell was going on. And so I was just like, uh, send it out before this whole thing self destructs. All right. Headlines uh, for the week. We will always start with uh, a giveaway that was posted on uh, at Whopper Radio's Twitter X, whatever the hell you want to call it. We're just keep calling it Twitter. Can we agree to that? It's just Twitter. Yeah, that's why I said yeah. it's Twitter. Okay, it, cool. I refuse to call it not Twitter. Perfect. Um, that said, we uh, put out a giveaway for a sealed pack of Jedi Knights, and the winner is, as the animation rules, who is it, Charmer? Sam Eldridge. Congratulations. Congratulations, Sam Eldridge. Uh, what you have to do now is just send a DM tweet at, uh, at Wampa Radio, at that Charmer, or at WatchFlake. Let us know that you won. And then we'll uh, DM each other our, our digits and such, and then we'll pop it in the mail, as uh, a few of the other ones have already are in the mail or have, a, have reached the right people. So that's the first thing. What else is in the headlines? What else is in the news? Well, there was another live stream where they talked about, you know, what we can expect coming up at Gen Con. Uh, they answered some gameplay questions. There's also uh, a new article on the mothership, if you will, regarding aspects. But of course, like the thing, you know, I want to highlight and dive right into is we got new cards. There was new cards on the, the live stream, uh, on the site, etc. And I I have been very, very excited about some of these. Uh, and I, I can't wait to dive in. But uh, all right. yeah, that's, you know, that's uh, I, I don't want to like go too fast over the other stuff. Right. So, yes. Live stream, if you missed it, I would recommend going to watch it. They talked up uh, again that they're going to be at Gen Con and um, make sure you read the article on the main website regarding aspects because it uh, goes a little bit into I know that we've touched uh, on it in the past for this show even is that uh, heroism and villainy will never be on the same card, right? There are six aspects, but those two are always meant to be like polar opposites. And they kind of dove into that a little bit further as well. Which is cool. Uh, we like that. And yeah, again, there's not really much to to sort of uh, gloss over other than the fact that the live stream answered some gameplay questions, uh, some of which were from the new cards that let's just get into, Charmer. Why don't we, uh, we start with the Snow Trooper Lieutenant, which was revealed by Rollout Gaming. So take a look at Rollout Gaming. They they have a podcast. They've got good stuff going Is on. Roll out or roll on? Roll on. Did I say roll out? Yeah. Uh, Cuz oh. in, in my head I was uh doing no, no. The ludicrous. Roll That's out. That's what I was in I don't know why. I was like, dude, that'd be such a badass way to enter like just sort of launch <laughs> yeah, your podcast uh, like roll out. Yeah. Your your wrestling entrance theme. Do you remember that video with Ludicrous where I forgot which one it was. It might be move, you know, get out the way where he's just like he's got these gigantic arms, right? Like he's just he looks like a wampa. Um. I'm finding the video. I do remember it. I just don't. I don't remember which song it was for. Well, it's one we probably can't. It play. might have been. It might have been multiple videos. I feel like he had a, a theme. Just like, do you remember when there was that phase when you know Busta Rhymes? Like every video was him talking into your ring doorbell yeah. camera. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, this this one, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, well, look. 
we can't play it twofold. Number one, it probably has language that we can't put on the podcast. And and number two, um, monetization, copyright striking, and the fact that billionaires and millionaires can't agree uh, to let us have nice things. We can't play it anyways. But I could put the pictures up. <laughs> I'm at it. There you go. Uh, so the first one, again, from Roll On Gaming is Snow Trooper Lieutenant. All right. So this is a two-cost ground unit the aspect is only villainy. It is a two power and two health Imperial Trooper. When played, you may attack with a unit. If it's an Imperial unit, it gets plus two plus zero for this attack. So you get a two two body, but then also you get to attack with another unit that you already have. And of course, if you have that Imperial Synergy, you get a nice bonus as well. Very cost effective when you get the bonus because you're paying two to get a two two but then you also get that plus two as well so what i like about this is that um and this is actually this was brought up and might be a conversation for a whole episode in itself but ultimately anytime that a card can ha- uh, can unlock or enable a follow-up action immediately afterwards i believe is a is already a pretty strong ability. This comes into the board onto the board. It buffs up another doofus who might trade up that your opponent might not immediately be prepared for. Because when you're planning things and it's a one action back and forth thing, you know that you're like, okay, there's this here, this here, this here, this here. They can't kill my dude with what's on the board. And if they play something that might be able to, I have an opportunity to respond. Anything that goes on the board and in immediately unlocks another action point as it were like if you're a flesh and blood player it's a go again it's was what it is it creates another action point that in my opinion is always going to be good not to mention the villainy aspect i think is one of the easier ones to fill i would imagine if you're running a dark side deck i call them dark side decks but if you're running a villainy deck you'll always have villainy aspect it's not like you're going outside of your your standard build of stuff and the fact that there's no other aspect to sort of tie this down i think that this is a pretty good card I think it has a lot of potential for sure. Obviously, as you said, the free action, when we start talking about the action economy and and passing things back and forth is going to be very relevant. The thing that jumps out to me, though, and the reason that I'm not, I, I guess, as concerned as some of the other folks that I've talked to is that this is, in my mind, very similar to something like a flame tongue Kavu from Magic or any other type where like you play... Uh, and it's the Uktabi orangutan, you know, or the Viridian Shaman during Meridian Block, right? Where you're you're playing, you're getting a body, but the body you get is statted underneath similar units for the cost. And then you're just getting an activation that is relevant. So I think this card will probably find a home in a deck. Like, I don't think it's a bad card by any stretch, but I also... You know, I've seen people say that, like, these cards are going to be auto-includes or things like that. And I'm not necessarily convinced because, one, this is a two-cost card, but it's very... Uh, it, it's kind of misleading because you don't want to slam it down on your first turn when you have those two resources, right? All of the value comes from you already establishing some other stuff on the board. And so if your opponent knows you're playing a, a deck like this and they kind of keep control... Uh, of your units then it makes it a lot harder to get value again i think it's good i just don't think that it's going to like break open the game necessarily 
So I equate this to the abusive sergeant from Hearthstone. Place for yep. one, it, it was originally a 2-1, but then it got downgraded to 1-1. One, one. Place for one, it's a 1-1. One, one. Give Battlecry, give a unit plus two attack for, for the turn. Yeah, that turn. It's merely just a, yeah, go go little birdie, go one drop, go trade up, uh, and, and cause the opponent to lose on a value trade. That's what it is, and, uh, and I don't think we need to, to say too much. It's a common as well. That's it, that's all. What else? Well... We have the follow-up. So, obviously, that's the Snowtrooper Lieutenant. Now we have the First Legion Snowtrooper. So, another unit that was revealed. Uh, again, a two-cost unit on the ground. This one, however, is dual aspect. So, it's aggression and villainy. So, because you are kind of going into this, you know, multi aspect limitation, you get a little bit more bang for your buck in terms of stats. So, this is a 2-3 unit. Uh, this one says, while attacking a damaged unit, this unit gets plus two, plus zero, and gains overwhelm. So the idea here is that if you wound something and then you can swing into it with the Snowtrooper, you're going to get some extra value and also elite damage onto the base because you kind of trample over them. Not a bad stat line either for a two-drop. I think two-three for a two-drop is probably going right. Uh, I'd say probably, I'd say like a 3-3 three, three is probably the vanilla. But the stats you get on this, though circumstantial, are really good. I would say the plus two, plus O oh, and overwhelm might even be overrate. But uh, I think that this is just another aggro unit. Yeah, it is. But it, it'll be interesting to see how things work with this because it is an aggro unit and obviously the plus two plus zero in the overwhelm are going to be things you want to take advantage of if you're aggressive but i could also see control decks potentially try to utilize this so i think about the card that you and i got to reveal right our death star dj that's a unit that ramps up your resources but also you want to actively try to kill it in order to get that ramp to trigger so if you play that and then you use it to attack into a unit that it can't even necessarily trade with, but you get some damage on it, then you set yourself up for this follow-up attack with the, the Legion Snowtrooper. And then when you combine that with something like the other card we just saw, right, the Snowtrooper Lieutenant, so you play the Death Star DJ on three, then next turn you swing in with him, get some damage on a unit, and then uh, if you've got your Snow uh, Trooper down, you play Snowtrooper Lieutenant, that's going to give you plus two, it's going to attack immediately, and then if it's attacking a wounded unit, it gets the plus two and the overwhelm as well. So uh, a lot of cool interactions with the Imperial units, and still within the realm of possibility because we have to remember that even though this is like a dual-colored card, most of your decks are going to be quote-unquote tri-color or three aspects, so you could still fit them all in. Not only that, but look at them. Look how comfortable and cool they are. No humidity. They don't need air conditioning because they're on Hoth. Yeah, they're on, you know, the snow. Oh, don't I wish jealous. I was just like doing snow angels right now. Don't I be jealous. Melting. Reminds me of that episode of The Simpsons where they're, it's like this huge store, snowstorm. They're all at church. And they're on the the furnace is broken, so they're all they're all freezing in church. And then um, Reverend Lovejoy is talking about how fiery hell is and everybody is just imagining it and be like ah that's amazing uh it's kind of like the reverse here but with hoth and the, yeah. the heat wave right now um next up we've got force choke it's an event two cost villain sorry uh aggression and villainy it's uh 
a force-tagged event, and it says, If you control a force unit, this event costs one less to play. Deal five damage to a non-vehicle unit. That unit's controller draws a card. Now, I've never seen anybody, like, force choke a swoop or, a, or you know, a chicken walker or something like that. But the fact that uh, the art's pretty rad as well. It looks like Vader's. It looks like Vader is in mid Stone Cold Steve Austin catch a beer mo- mode, like from the from the ropes. Yeah, you know, kind of. Yeah, a little bit. Like I just waiting for for someone in the side uh, on the side of the ring to just wing him a Steve Weiser. But ultimately, that's the that's the card. What are your impressions on this one? This is the first card that I have seen where I immediately thought it might end up being a staple outside of its aspects because. If you're running Luke Skywalker, right, and you need removal, this has the potential to still be pretty cost effective. It's going to cost a net of three because you'll have the force unit, so it'll be reduced by one. Then you pay your aspect tax, so it goes up to two. But paying three to deal five to something is still probably pretty reasonable. And depending on how the meta shakes out, what the first set is like, if five is a really important damage threshold for certain key units... This might be the sort of thing that you start jamming in decks, even if you're not an aggression villainy deck. Like that's what stood out to me. I I think you're spot on on that. And in, if and if this is good at a two point tax, imagine what this is going to be like in a villainy aggression list. Th- this this card, if Vader is your hero, okay, and you're running those aspects, this is a what's the the card limit? Three of. Three of, yes. This is a three of. This is the first three cards that you put in your deck, hands down. It's an uncommon, so you already can see that it's now we're a little bit scaling up in terms of the power level, where we look at this card and we say, I would play this for three. And again, it all it all comes down to what are the thresholds of key and important units. If there's a, uh, you know, if, if there's a bunch of units that are like four or five body that are going to be in a lot of decks you're going to have to put this in here uh but ultimately i think that this card within that aspect is in is the first three ofs that you put in any deck build it's like okay these are my aspects do i have villainy do i have a force user and do i have aggression okay three three have force choke 100 percent. don't even have to think about it never it never gets cut Oh, absolutely. Especially, again, if you're thinking aggression, we're thinking an aggressive, proactive deck, right? So likely what this is going to end up being in those situations, because we have to remember, this also does have the drawback. Your opponent does get to draw a card. But if you're just trying to race them, if you're trying to burn down their base as fast as possible, you would easily pay one force or one resource, excuse me, if you have a force unit on the board to get a sentinel out of the way right i'll pay one deal five to a sentinel to get rid of a blocker so i can push extra damage through yeah you draw a card but my hope is that i'm going to destroy your base before that card ever matters like it totally fits the theme yeah card draw is going to be important but uh, don't we draw two every turn you draw two so i i genuinely believe that Drawing a card is a strong mechanic when you're limited to once per turn. So essentially what you're doing when you're giving your opponent an opportunity to draw a card is you're, is you're doubling their, their resource generation or you're, dub, you're doubling their the access to their tools. This is not doubling it. It's giving it a 50% increase, which ultimately a card is a card, 100%. You don't want to give them any. 
but at the exchange of a unit on the board, they might draw up to some garbage that they don't want to play. They might find a one drop with it. They might do whatever. I think force choke, even with the 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 draw card penalty, quote unquote, it's the balance aspect to it. Yeah. I think this is going to be fine. My question is, is show me the vehicles. That's yeah. not even well, a question. So, That's just a demand. <laughs> yeah, there's obviously vehicles. So it's also pretty clear that this is intended to help you pave the way on the ground. But another interesting bit is I think this is one of those cards that's going to really show you who the skilled players are, especially early on in the game's life, because I think a skilled player, once they get the feel for the back and forth of the actions, being able to play this when your opponent has already exhausted a bunch of resources, for example, means that, yeah, they draw a card, but they also can't take advantage of it right away. The last thing you want to do is open your turn with this and then they draw the answer anyway mm -hmm. but if they've already done everything for the turn and then you slap this down get rid of their big sentinel and you know you push through five seven nine extra damage like that's going to be a really big deal so the timing of this is also i think going to be really important i got this i got this i figured it out it says that unit's controller it says doesn't tell you it doesn't say opponents what if you just one tap this kill your own super laser technician draw a card ramp I mean, I, I, I do love this, not only just from a strategy point, but I love the idea of Vader literally just like force choking his own staff to get what he wants. He does Give it all me, the time. Right. That's what I'm saying. I love the just the mental theme of, you know, you're not giving me the information I want. So I'm just going to have to choke you like that's that's the rules. Sorry. <laughs> But I mean, it's happened. Like that's how Ozil got replaced by Nita. That's how you know um, how Krennic didn't choke on his aspirations. Uh, it's just it's a it's a tool. It's very much like PowerPoint. Okay, Vader has uh, access to Force Office three sixty five and decides to use all the options and not just Excel and Word. Okay, that's what he's doing right now. He's using Force Choke twenty twenty three. Next up is what I think is a pretty decent card if um, if what I think is true is true, and I'll, I'll, I'll sort of elaborate on that. The next card is Waylay. It's a cunning three-cost trick. It's an event, and it says, return a non-leader unit to its uh, owner's hand. Bounce effects have always been great. Um, Blue in Magic has tons of them. Bounce a card back to your opponent's hand. All enchantments, all upgrades, etc. of that it had, don't follow it. Now, I'm not sure if that's the case with Star Wars U, but let's say there's a, a a unit on the board that's like got loaded up with shields and upgrades and all kinds of cool stuff. Maybe you just bounce it, and maybe all the upgrades and all the trinkets that it's carrying along go right into the discard pile. And if that's the case, Waylay's great. But Waylay's, yeah, go ahead. is actually pretty great for some other reasons as well. There's a reason that this has such a high cost relative to other bounce effects in other card games. So costing three feels kind of like a lot if you're coming from Magic, where an unsummon has been one since the dawn of the game. But what you have to remember is this is a damage persistent game. So if you've got a big hefty sentinel with like, you know, a seven back end and somebody deals five to it and you can just waylay your own unit back to your hand and then redeploy it fresh and healthy, 
that's suddenly an incredibly efficient play. So waylay, because it just says a non-leader unit, again, as you pointed out with the force stroke, it does not say enemy. There is going to be, I think, a lot of very cunning, pun very intended, ways to utilize this card within the game. Mm. I didn't think, I didn't even think about that. I thought, where well, you're talking about, like, timing, and again, because it's a back and forth, your turn, like, the turn exists, you act, You take an action, I take an action, it's back and forth. Timing is going to be exquisitely important into how you yes. effectuate your plan. What I like about waylay is a lot like what you mentioned about force choke, is timing these things properly is important. If your opponent decides to tap some of their resources to do something, suddenly that gigantic sentinel that has been in front of the base the entire turn if it costs like six and they just tap themselves out down to like whatever and they can't afford to redeploy it, suddenly you waylay them, you bounce the big mofo, and now you got a free path right to the base. And then next turn, they're going to have to waste the whole turn redeploying it. Um, I didn't even think about the defensive um, aspects of it, but ultimately... Yeah, it's also going to be really good with uh, comes into play effects as well. So if you've got some really important pieces, uh, you know, for example, if you're running the TIE Interceptor, you can play it, nuke an opposing starship, and then waylay it back to your hand and play it and then continue, you know, firing off rounds. Like, that's also a very relevant play. So I really do feel like waylay has a lot of potential applications with just some of the cards we've seen so far. But do we now see the beauty of the bat, like the your, your action, my action, yeah. your action? Because if you can chain a lot of this stuff together, I think that it would be a little bit over the top. If I can, like, deploy waylay recover deploy uh do something all within without any kind of you know disruption or or input from my opponent then you can really bust things open now that isn't to say that if your opponent you know yoinks initiative and then sort of ends their turn that you can't do this stuff but it's going to be it's going to be very difficult uh in order to sort of crack off a few things in a row to to make these three card combos work but my suspicion is waylay is going to probably be uh, integral to any on any on deploy any when played um, major effect type cards, uh, and and it could be a defensive tactic as well as just opening a door to your opponent's base. I like this card. I definitely like this card. So another one that was revealed is Admiral Mahdi. This is a two cost villainy ground unit. Yes, he's unique. 1-1 one, one body, Imperial official for the tags. And then we have when defeated, you may ready a villainy unit. And the thing that jumps out to me about this is that this is kind of a way to provide haste. Because when you deploy units, you know, unless obviously they've they've got certain keywords, they deploy exhausted, but there's nothing that says they can't be readied. And this is the first time that we've seen something where, you know, outside of our leaders, we're readying a unit. So you could play Admiral Mahdi. He looks very inconspicuous. And then, you know, turn three, turn four, turn five, you'd play an absolute like heater of a unit. And suddenly you sacrifice Admiral Mahdi to get it into the action right away. Like, I, I really like this. Now, obviously, you can use him to also attack twice with a unit. So you can swing, sacrifice your Admiral, swing again with the same. But just being able to kind of, uh, as you were saying, um, pull off these combos 
where because of the back and forth nature, I think kind of surprising your opponent is going to be a pretty big deal, right? And this is one of the few ways where you kind of speed up that process. Hey, uh, big ups to, I think it's, I can't read it quite clearly, Tomas Oleksak, uh, who who drew him to be the most a-hole-ish type person <laughs> I could probably yeah. imagine. He's he's the type of dude, like, I, I bartended for five years. This is the guy who's at the bar who just wants to be a jerk, and he's like, you know, you go, you 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 walk up to him, and you're like, "Oh, can I get you another drink?" He's like, "No, I just want to sit here and 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 stare at an empty glass." It's like, "Mother of God!" All right, what do you want? Like, that's that's the kind of person I see him as. So, um, screw you, Admiral Mahdi. And I hope that if if I do force choke my own unit, it's gonna be him. That's what we're doing. Easily. So the the second card, or the next card rather, is one that I know you're all about, and I know you're all about it for multiple reasons. Not the art aside, but let's dive into uh, all art, art included. Everything about this card has me tantalized. Yes, because um, and this is this is why. Let me just jump off and say this is exactly why I love card reveal season because there are moments when you see a card and the more you don't know about a card actually makes the experience that much cooler. So this card is Galactic Ambition. It is a seven cost event in villainy. So quite an expensive event has an innate tag. The text says play a non heroism unit from your hand for free. But you have to deal damage to your base equal to its cost. Now, other things that I think are important when we talk about you know, speculation, inference, etc. Uh, the art on the card is a Death Star being built. And another thing that I think is really important is this is a card that is rare. We have not seen too many rares, um, but not only is this one rare, but the picture they gave us also has like the little hologram on the bottom. Mm -hmm. It's our first time I've seen that. So with that in mind, uh, one, the fact that it's rare and it allows you to play something for free tells me this is probably meant to be a pretty powerful play when you do it so the next question becomes what on earth would you ever need to play for free that already costs more than seven because you're spending seven to play this card right so what are you trying to play that costs more than seven? Oh, what the art is the death star well, maybe that's what it is. And then my brain goes, okay, well, how much, you know, if I'm, if I'm playing this for free, how much damage am I going to take? Like, clearly this is meant to speed it up, I think. So am I going to pay seven for something that normally costs 10 and I'm going to have to take 10 damage to get this thing into play? Like, I saw this and my wheels started spinning. I also want to know, are there other, say, like non-Death Star things that you might use this to, to play? Like... We haven't seen a lot of the true like end game top end finishers revealed yet. This is the first card that even hints at those existing. And now I just want to see more, right? I want to see how you're meant to close out a game in Star Wars Unlimited. Well, okay. So there's a few things that we have to sort of trudge through before we go over the top. Number one is the no, fact- No, I need to go over the top right away. Uh, I'm too you, excited. You did. You definitely did. And I know that this one's- <laughs> It, it's like I took you to Disney World and, and you, you were going to see Mickey. Just relax. Let's, you know, I need to buy the map first. It's $8. Like, stop yelling. We'll get there. Shut up. 
Um, Galactic Ambition, seven... So, again, this already alludes to the fact that there's going to be cards that are going to cost eight or greater. And when I say eight or greater, I don't think it's going to be eight or greater. I think that there's going to be double-digit cost cards that are probably going to cap out at, like, 12 or 13 or 14. Um, this The other thing that popped into my head was what those things can be. I don't think it's the Death Star yet. I don't. Because I think that the Death Star might just be something down the line where we've all been waiting. Much like much like we waited for like eight or nine sets with Star Wars CCG to finally get the Emperor, I think that that might be the thing that will happen with like the Death Star. And I'm okay with that. And I think that that's fine to wait. Doesn't mean that we won't get some fat-ass things in the meantime. The first thing that popped into my mind was like the Executor. Let's get a Super Star Destroyer. Let's cheat it out on turn seven. It might cost 10. I'll take 10 if I have this enormous, unbeatable Space Force that I'll take 10 damage. It ha- It's like a Space Sentinel. It's got like a 12-12 body. You know, it's just un- unrelenting. And then I get all of that value back when it finally swings in. Now, what I then thought of was how you and I have already basically concluded that bases are going to have text, they're going to have abilities, they're going to do stuff. There's a base or an ability for you to put a shield on your base and then you play Galactic Ambition where all that damage is negated by the shield. That That's pod racing, okay? Now that's pod <laughs> racing. Yeah, the, that sort of also crossed my mind. There's a lot of, I think, potential applications. I could so see the shield mechanic. I could also see something where you pair this with a leader that has a, a lot of restore potentially. So again, like Krennic, right? If you are running a leader where you're going to potentially set yourself up where you take a bunch of damage, but then you have a, already kind of pre-populated your board with restore. So like you do that and then you can recuperate, you know, four, six, eight life all in one go. That's also a pretty big deal. I, I'm i just excited at the idea of that there's going to be these big bombs, right? Again, we're not going to get a card like this that's cost seven and lets you play stuff for free at, you know, the expense of health, right? Like you're taking a risk on top of it in the rare slot if there's not something cool to do with it, right? So now I'm like, show me the cool. This card's already cool. Show me the other half. It's great because the card doesn't say anything except play something else. So you're excited for the something else, right? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm the kind of guy like, I like my horror movies where you almost never get to see the monster, right? To me, the unknown is part of the fun. And the same goes with stuff like this. This is, again, why I like reveal season, because you get teased something, and now your your mind just races with the uh, the possibilities. It's basically my whole Tinder experience. It's like you get excited until you actually see the thing, and you're like, dear God, this was not at all what I expected. Um, but we'll move on. R2-D2, one of the true heroes of the Rebellion, nothing... Nothing, uh, you know, embodies a true rebellious spirit like uh, R2-D2. It is a one-drop within heroism, is it, I believe? Yes, Uh, that's heroism. One-drop heroism, R2-D2, a unique unit. It's a 1-4, which is great. When played or on attack, look at the top card of your deck. You may put it at the bottom of your deck. This is really, really good for a one drop 
This is great for a one drop. Well, one drop, one aspect. Like that's the other part. It's one aspect. So I think this is, you know, it's early to say, but this is one of those cards where if you're building heroism, you're probably considering this because it's going to smooth out your draws at a minimum, even without any other combo pieces considered. And it's a one drop, one four. Like it's got a big back end. It allows you a, a lot of potential options. Like I just, I really like this card, even without the other half that I know we're going to cover here. I think this card is really, really cool. Well, it, it also pairs up so nicely, like you and I. Um, it's, this is us, essentially. These two doofuses are basically us. We get C3PO. Uh, it's a two-drop heroism. So right after you drop R2, you get 3PO. He's got the same stat line. He's a 1-4. When, attack, uh, when it attacks or when it's played, choose a number. Then look at the top card of your deck. If its cost is the chosen number... You may reveal and draw it. So you play, you play R two, right? Mm-hmm. Next time you attack with R two, you look at the top of your deck. You say, "Oh, I know what this is. All right, I want this card." Then you place three PO, and you say three, and then you draw the card, reveal it. It's a three. It goes into hand. These two are basically peas and carrots, peanut butter and jelly. If you can one two drop these, you're in for a treat. Yeah, they work incredibly well together. The other thing that I want to point out is that both of them have the potential to be very strong when they're apart. That's what's so cool about these two as a pair. Uh, Again, R2-D2 has the potential, I think, to smooth out your draws, but I could also envision the kind of deck where you are maybe playing C-3PO, but you have uh, the bulk of your deck you know is two costs let's say like let's say you're playing an aggressive heroism deck right and you got a bunch of one two and three drops and you know you know 60 70 percent of your deck is two drops great i don't need to like cheat and look i can just play the odds right and say two and get a draw you know two out of three turns that's pretty good so i i really like that both of them work so well together but i also would consider playing them solo so you said never tell me the odds. You said playing them solo. There's so much yep. on stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Last one. Last one for the new cards, because uh, we got to get to the art cards that we designed. Uh, but this is a new yeah. one. It is called Fleet Lieutenant, and we're going one, two, three here. It's a three-drop heroism again. Ground unit. Rebel Trooper. A three-three stat line. When played, you may attack with a unit. If it's a rebel unit, it gets plus two, plus zero oh, uh, for the attack. So this is kind of like the snow trooper. Uh, yeah. However, the snow trooper was a two drop, two three, which gave uh, two over- two. It was a, a it was a two drop, two two. This is a three drop, three oh, three. Right. So it's basically one notch, one more cost for one more of each stat line, but basically yep. the rest of the text stands pat. Yeah, the thing that stood out to me is honestly just that i i liked that they made them both lieutenants i just like the idea of like hey you're a lieutenant this is your thing and that's you know consistent so um even if it's just one of those things where you're from a design standpoint you're trying to help onboard new players right they start subconsciously associating like oh it's a lieutenant i know what that does like bravo good game design so that's what stood out to me it's basically trooper trooper swarm deck if you played hearthstone you know what zoo is zoo is where every every your your 
whole deck is essentially the majority are one and two drops and card draw mechanics and you're basically swarming the board every turn putting the onus on your opponent to cl- to clean up your board however you're always trading up everything you play is meant to enhance the other units on the board if you're if like in succession um typically these trooper decks like zoo uh, require a lot of low low to the ground units that you can play in vast quantities so card draw is the next thing that we want to look at when it comes to um what's around the pipe but that that's it for new cards as we record this on july 27th at 8 p.m eastern time but uh, still some more some more clues for new stuff right yeah, I I think there's a, a lot of cool stuff to come. Um, you know, speaking of of some of those things, right? We we have art, right? We got cards, but we also have art, including our good friend Bib Fortuna. He has no clue in this picture what's to come with him because he's like oh ibutaka bujaba now and he's like and he's like okay cool all right i just got jedi mind tricked gonna bring this guy over uh sounds good he has no idea that he basically gets full dad bod um you know laundry on the peloton yeah, yeah, sits yeah. on the throne and <laughs> watching uh watching reruns of god knows what but uh, over here, the sky's the limit for this guy. Yeah, I, I kind of hope that you know we've heard them talk about like stuff from the other eras. I kind of hope that one day we do get Dad Bob, Fortuna. But what was this type? Like it, it would it would be like Bib Fortuna, ruler of Jabba's palace. You know, he tacked on a solid COVID one fifty. Um, yeah, you know, just chilling out. He's got a bag of Doritos. Salacious Crumb is also absolutely overweight. Big Fortuna, the big tuna. Big for big tuna. Yeah, no, that would that's basically it. But uh, I, yeah, I was just gonna say we can uh, we can move on. There was one other art uh, that was revealed, and this one this one was a bit interesting because it's it's a starfighter, right? Mm-hmm. Very clearly has that iconic x-wing look but without the x right it looks like you're uh you're too gunned is this x-wing a, it looks like a z95 headhunter yeah kind of right like i've i've zoomed in on this as best i could a few times because i was wondering at first like is this just you know an x-wing where it's the, the stuff is shot but it looks like on the sides it's not still like two guns clamped right so I, I do think you're correct. I think it's the headhunter, but you know we didn't get as much context for this one as we did with Bib. So this one was, uh, you so know, a bit of a guess. This is what uh, if it is a Z95 headhunter, and I'm gonna claim ignorance. I don't know precisely what model it is, and I didn't do the research ahead of this for this particular artwork because I completely forgot it it existed. Uh, that said, if it is a Z95 headhunter. This possibly opens up the option for particular units to deploy to both space and ground because the Z95 Headhunter was also a ground, like an air support for ground invasions. It was, uh, it helped the Endor Commando unit, uh, the Talus, Talus Squadron, led by General Kraken and flown by them, were, were Z95 Headhunters. And it provided close air support to 
ground invasions and and ground and and that kind of ground occupation. However, it was also a space-worthy starfighter, albeit fragile, but it could hold its own against a standard TLN. So this might be something where it it might have text that's like if deployed to the ground, it gains plus zero plus one but if it's deployed to space it's plus one plus oh like potentially in that regard just give it a little versatility it could be space ground it could do both yeah i could see something like that Dave, these are just ideas but we got better ideas we got really good ideas we got do we though we got do we we got get get us hired at fantasy flight game game design kind of ideas. I don't know about that. Well, no, maybe not the artwork, at least for not the one that I drew. (laughs) Um, Wow, he's regal. Okay, so we're going to go on to the main topic, which is three, uh, well, six cards that Charmer and I have designed that we would, I say we would like to see, but there are just some of our ideas for cards potentially, and just to explore some of the the space. I have a theme with mine, but we've got one unit. You know what's funny? I, I have a theme as well. I... I was laughing that we both did like a mini theme across ours. So okay. it's, and we didn't say that that was a requirement. No. We both just did it. We, no, that was not part of it at all. So we got one unit, one event, and one upgrade each. Would you like yep. to kick us off, Mr. Charmer? Yeah. So for my unit, I chose the low hanging fruit of a very popular character right now, which is Din Jaren, the Mandalorian. Hmm. Now, obviously, this is a unique unit, and I chose to name him Din Djarin, comma, the Mandalorian, because we know amongst the unique units that there might be more than one version. So I just wanted this to kind of encompass, you know, that through the naming in case we wanted to make other other versions. Uh, this is a five cost unit, Hunting Vigilance. It's a ground unit. The tags are Mandalorian and Bounty Hunter. While you control Grogu... This unit gains Sentinel because he's the protective father. Yeah. When played, search the top five cards of your deck for a card named Grogu. Then draw it, like reveal it and draw it. Uh, Put the other cards on the bottom of your deck in a random order. I stole that from the uh, Tarkin as far as terminology, because I would say choose the order. But if they're already putting random on others Mm -hmm. uh, and then it would be a four or five stat line. So the idea here is, as far as theming, is, you know, he's a Mandalorian bounty hunter, but if Grogu is on the table, he becomes very protective, and then his entire thing was, like, he was tasked with finding Grogu. So when you play him, he looks for Grogu. I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward, but I think thematically it captures what you want that unit to do. No, I like it. I, I definitely like it, and I'm now I'm curious to know what Grogu does, um, and if Grogu... Ah, see? See, it's reveal season. Now you got to stay tuned for Grogu. You, oh, you see yeah. the reference and you want to know. I know how to do it. All right. That's not bad. I like it. What were the aspects again? Cunning and vigilance. Okay. So okay. because uh, there, there's a reason for that, but um, because I wanted to try to capture the idea of, you know, this would be released in maybe like a Mandalorian heavy themed set. Uh, Mandalorians across all eras. And while he certainly does some heroic things, I was trying to focus on creating a set of cards that didn't have heroism or villainy as their tags, right? Like they work in the gray space. Okay, well, speaking of gray space, I got one for you. It's more in the blue space, but it doesn't have villainy or heroism. I have Grand Admiral Thrawn, 
comma, heir to the Empire. Because we got to give Timothy Zahn some love for writing some of the best Star Wars books ever. It is a four-drop. It has command and cunning. I think that's pretty damn obvious for Thrawn. It is an Imperial official. 2-3 stat line. And the text reads, when played, remove two damage counters from a capital starship and give it a shield. While you have a Star Destroyer in the arena, all your space units gain plus one, plus one. So... He's not a brute on the ground. He's easily removed. However, when he's there, it's basically... The, the theme here is he jumps into play. He, he ascends the ladder. He becomes, you know, command. As soon as he enters the fray, he immediately improves everything because that's what he does. It's like, what's the problem? Let's fix it. So this Star Destroyer... He's Bob the Builder? Kinda, yeah. He's, he is. He's Bob the Builder. Uh then he's blue too but uh so yeah he comes in he improves an existing capital starship that you would imagine needed a needed a little bit of a non-force choke-esque type of pick-me-up gives it a shield counter protecting it giving it new orders essentially and then everybody else in space becomes better because he's calling the shots and i think that that's i think that's that's pretty pretty spot on for what i think thrawn would do yeah i like it if if I was going to do anything to it, the only thing that I would consider would be like, maybe you amp the stats, but you also add villainy. Like, I feel like Thrawn could almost be a try aspect card. Um, just yeah. because he, he covers so many things, but I do, I do like this one. So, right? I mean, like I've, I've, I've read a lot of Thrawn books. And one thing that I got from Thrawn was that he wasn't necessarily the most cunning warrior. Like he wasn't the strongest warrior. He was a tactician through and through. So right. he gained his, his, anytime that there was a physical fight that he would be in, he was very much the, you know, remember that scene in, in like the, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movies where he's like, okay, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to do this and use this and this and this, and hopefully it all works out, you know? But also, Sherlock Holmes was a, a formidable fighter. I don't think that he is. So I didn't want to give him too much of a stat line. I wanted him to be somebody that you had to protect. So you hide him behind a guard or a sentinel or whatever, because you don't want him to just die, go on the board and get immediately crushed. He has to come into the battle when you know that the things are there to protect him. And if he remains alive, then you're, then you're good. And um, that was my Grand Admiral Thrawn design. All right. Well, next up, we both designed event cards. So this is actually what started me down my particular theme. This was the first one that I had decided. I was like, all right, I know I'm, I'm making this as a card. Mm -hmm. So my event is seismic charge. Oh, yes. I needed you it. win. <laughs> I needed it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So this is a uh, this is a seven cost event, and the aspects are cunning and cunning, because and this is something that I think hasn't been talked about enough in the rules. They mention that you can have cards with a double aspect cost, and that it has to be represented twice. Now, none of the things we've seen revealed have it, but they specifically call it out in the rules. And I love the idea of something where you have to be like extra cunning to do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So this is a seven cost uh, cunning, cunning event. Uh, the tags would be Mandalorian and Tactic. 
And then it says, uh, if you control a Mandalorian space unit, this costs two less to play. So you got it out there. It's easier to fire it. Uh, the effect is deal two damage to all enemy space units. Okay. So I picked two specifically because that's the uh, stat line that we've seen on all of the TIE fighter type units revealed. So I liked the idea of like he's being chased down. He drops the charge and he clears out the TIE fighter sort of thing. But we know in episode two, you know, obviously Obi-Wan survives the charge by dodging it. But I liked the idea of, OK, some of the, you know, more adept space units can still survive an encounter with it. So I didn't want it to be a full board wipe. So that's where I, I went with as far as like my, my damage threshold. Okay. So this is, this is pretty solid. And, and, and I was a little bit wary of two damage uh, to me, two damage. There's so many two damage sweepers in so many different card games that oftentimes it feels like it's, it doesn't do a lot like Holy Nova consecration, things yeah. like that. They've never really crushed, the board the way you they used to back in the day but then you said it to me in a way that's like it basically kills all the ties that exist right now and i would yeah. i would probably assume that if they do print a tie bomber that it wouldn't be mu it wouldn't be more over two in body uh the only thing i could see surviving is like a tie defender you know um a, a tie advance like vader's custom tie that could probably survive but the way that you worded it and explained it makes a lot of sense to me. And I think that that would be great. And we haven't seen any sweepers yet. We don't even know if they exist. No. So I think that if there is a sweeper, any type of AOE, area of, area of effect type damage thing, yeah, I would probably put a hefty number on it too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wanted it to be expensive, but then like you get the discount for the Mandalorian, right? Just because of uh, thematically as well. Yeah. It, you know, it's there, it does the deploy thing and it's, but yeah, I just, I, I had to do it. I, I I heard the noise. Like you were like, let's design cards and my head went, Oh Whoa. man. What if, <laughs> what if they, they, they came out with a ship, a space unit, like a fire spray class ship that said your seismic charges cost one less, even on top of it. Yeah, I mean, you could do something like that, or even that could be some like uh, something on the Razor Crest, or sure, Ray you know. yeah. Oh God, okay, all right, nice one. I like that one. That one's pretty sweet. And again, you know those those whole memes of like like uh, a picture you can hear. That's that yeah. would be it. <laughs> uh, okay, next up, uh, the event that I. I designed that goes along with the Thrawn theme that I really love is it is a four cost event villainy um, imperial tactic it's called set the trap and it reads um, the, the terminology is it ready when you untap something I think it's ready yeah yeah okay so here's because we have uh that text on admiral Mahdi that was revealed uh you may ready, ready. a villainy you unit. may fire when ready um so set the trap is ready a damaged imperial space unit it may make an additional action this turn now that text assumes that um can you if, if something readies up does it, like think, there, we have we've not seen anything that says Limit uh, one action you per. Can't do it again, with the exception of the leader text, which is the epic action okay. itself. Epic actions are once per game, just period. 
But okay, so that if you ready a unit, you should be able to uh, just use it. So right. that would just be it might be know, just redundant, to, but putting it yeah, there. Yeah, but ultimately, we can drop that part off. But I like it. All right, so ready a damaged uh, space. Sorry, ready a damaged imperial space unit. If Thrawn is in the arena, that unit may immediately take an action. So you you're they they want to go ahead and mess with your 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 unit goes in swoops in attack something it looks down and out they need to go in for the kill you know they're like oh well it's tapped out we can deal with it later suddenly the trap is sprung my friends they think it's damaged they think it's down and out thrawn's like no 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 this is how i bait the hook i want them to come after this uh crippled victory class star destroyer or whatever because they think it's easy pickings and all of a sudden kablam it's back it's ready and it goes back in for another one because it's drawing some attention set the trap an imperial tactic that only gets better if thrawn's on board i so i actually really like the design of this i think that uh, just thematically it hits it out of the park in terms of it's a damaged unit but it's you've damaged it on purpose right you're setting the trap and then you get to capitalize on it um i love uh, again building into the thrawn part um i almost feel like it needs one more line of text and that is that the when you uh, uh when if thrawn is in the arena um Give that unit a shield oh, and I, it can take an action. And I reason, wrote that. I wrote that so, and took so it out. the reason why. Because if the entire point is like you're setting the trap so that they think it's wounded, but then you win the fight, you need it to survive that fight and it's already a damaged unit, right? So if they come in and then you just ready a unit and it can take an action right away, chances are it's just going to trade back with something and that doesn't feel as like... Epic is truly setting a trap, right? So because of the Thrawn requirement for the bonus, I think you attach it to that part. If Thrawn is there, add the shield and uh, take an action immediately. But otherwise, like, I I really love the theme of this card. I just feel like the unit needs to survive the interaction for to to truly set the trap. So I, I initially, I absolutely initially had shield on there. And then I thought it was going to be a little bit over the top. However, if... If the like, I, I guess I just kind of mis not in misinterpreted, but just underestimated the rule set again, where it's like your opponent plays uh, plays Thrawn. That should be your number one priority from that point out. So maybe you suspect your opponent might be playing Thrawn, or it's like any other card game you play. Like, how often are you like, no, I have to save this card in case they play X, Y, Z, you know? Like, right. it's just the way it goes. And, and as the meta sort of shakes out, you'll know it's like, oh, well... Thrawn is a very popular card across all kinds of things. So let's say you just have a, a, a spot check three damage card. You hold on to it because, like, if Thrawn hits the board, I need an event to kill him. Like, I absolutely need an event to kill him because I can't... There's Sentinels on the board or whatever. So maybe... I think you're right. Maybe I did... I do need to sort of throw the the shield. Let's just yeah. throw the shield aspect so, on there again. So, yeah. So I would say like the compromise here, if you're like worried about power level as well, I would say have it be um, still dependent command. on Thrawn. Yep. I was just about to say, have it still be dependent on Thrawn for the shield, add the shield, but make a villainy and Cun- command. I think villainy cunning. Cause it's a, it's a nice little trap, little cunning tactic. Yeah. Well, e- either or, right. Just, just add a, a second aspect to throw it in. But yeah, I, 
I think that would be fine. Uh, but right. I love the entire intent behind it of like, oh, no, I'm wounded. Yes. It, it, it's the meme of call an ambulance, but, but not for me. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> That's what it is. Um, also, I managed to scoop. I wish I knew where this artwork was from. I looked high and wide. I think I think it's from one of them, like the Star Wars comics. But the 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 panel was perfect it's like an explosion going on a damaged star destroyer it's in in the middle of a battle and call an ambulance but not for me i thought that that was i thought that was good all right so that's set the trap and that um wraps up our events and we get to the upgrades charmtastic yeah so i actually had a few different ones that i had thought about tackling um because when you think about Mandalorians, there's a lot of different things you think of, right? There's flamethrowers, there's their, uh, like, snare, there's the dark saber. But ultimately, the one that I settled on as my upgrade is the Z6 jetpack. Because to me, that is the most iconic one because we got it right from the get-go with Boba Fett, right? The jetpack with the missile on it just uh, stands out to me. So this is uh, the Z6 jetpack. It is a three cost upgrade. It has cunning and aggression as the aspects. Uh, the tags are item and Mandalorian. You attach it to a non-vehicle unit because we don't need an ATAT with a jetpack. I'm sorry, no matter how much you want it, it's just not going to be a thing. Uh, but then it says when played, if attached to a Mandalorian, it gains saboteur. And then you get plus one, plus one on the unit you played on. So the idea for me was you you put on your jetpack to go around the things blocking you, right? So, uh, or if it's because saboteur can also get rid of shields. If it's something protected by shields, you use the missile on the jetpack to just blow up the shields. So that was kind of what I had settled on. What if that? What if the missile was just part of it, right? In the sense that saboteur is always on on it. But what if it had an ability of you may discard. Or, or banish or whatever it's called, defeat the, the jetpack to deal four damage to anything. Like, that's the missile you're firing. Yeah, I, I could see that. I could also see, like, that potentially is an action as well. There's a couple of different ways I could go. Um, ultimately, I just felt like I going with the saboteur keyword, it's... Uh, a bit of a justification of both the flying, but also the defeating of the shield. Saboteur is a weird one for me because thematically you have to kind of explain both sides. I mean, maybe you don't have to, but I was like trying to think of, you know, why would this be able to get rid of shields? Like the going around a Sentinel part, that's easy, right? I'm just flying over the Sentinel and then attacking the base. No yeah. big deal. Um, that fla that I, flavor feels spot on. And, and, uh, and I, I think that you're really onto something there. Yeah, and I also, so the other reason I didn't want to add, add the activation part uh, or something similar was I wanted this to also be kind of low cost because it's it's cunning and aggression. And it was that idea of like, this is the aggressive Mandalorian feel, right? So I wanted it to be a low cost, small stat boost, but it allows you to push that damage through to somebody's base. I wanted that to kind of be the focus part. I like it. Nice. I, li I really, really like it. Again, the thematic aspect of it, excellent. Which leads me to believe that, do you think that there's any space in this game? Well, there's space. There's the space arena. <laughs> I'm going to say it before you do, you bastard. Um, do you think that there's any room in this game where flying becomes a keyword, much like magic, where 
Flying units can only be blocked by other flying units or units that have another keyword, such as reach, that can touch them. And hear me out, because right now we haven't seen anything that would warrant flying. It's not in the rule book, so maybe they're printing cards that don't have it so that in a future set, it's a new keyword that they implement. And what would have flying? Toydarians like Watto would have flying. Um, Mandalorians with jetpacks could have flying. Uh, Snowspeeders would have flying. Ewoks with gliders would <laughs> would have flying. Um, this is the thought, like where it's it's an, an extra element. And the thing about it is, like, if you think about magic, magic has the core tenets of particular keywords like lifelink, first strike, um, reach, flying, etc., death touch. But every set. They, re- they either introduce a new one or they reintroduce an old one from an old set, and it's a new keyword that not- doesn't necessarily have to be evergreen, but sometimes they do if they're popular enough. But ultimately, that could be something where in set two, they're like, and now here's here's Mandalorian characters, here's Toydarian characters, Geonosians, uh, here's some snow speed or some speeders, etc. And they all have flying, and here's the new flying mechanic that you know yada 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 and to match it here's a um you know here's a um a a a keyword called like sharpshooter that allows them to block and attack flyers even though they're not flyers so i i I see where you're going um i don't think we're gonna get it in that respect though and here's my reasoning one we I mean, we have space units and we have all these things that like kind of fly already. And so like, what do you even do with those? Like, do you just put flying on every space unit and then that feels redundant? But also um, what you would be doing is you would have saboteur and sentinel. But then because we don't have blocking like outside of sentinel just in general. Right. Um, What you do is like if you add flying you would then have to have something that would have both like sentinel and flying or something. Right. And so you would kind of create this weird second layer of things. And I don't know that the, the benefit is worth the investment from a rules perspective when you could probably accomplish the same thing by just giving, you know, Mandalorian saboteur or, you, you know what I mean? And what I also think about when I when I kind of go down that path as well is, you know, would you how would you represent like your ability to just fire upwards? Right. When I think about Star Wars, there's also a lot of times where, yeah, like there's speeders, but you also had ground units that were just shooting at them anyway. And in Rogue One, you've got like the rocket propelled thing that hits the ATAT in the face. And, you know, even when you have Jedi's like we've had sequences where they're using lightsabers on the wings of aircraft and then like force jumping off to other things. You know what I mean? So like what then constitutes like, well, this is the thing that can't really block the flying unit when in reality in star Wars, you know, as long as the plot wills it, the mobility has always been there, you know? Uh So, um, I, I, I could see them, introducing other new keywords and have ones that interact for sure i'm just not sure that flight would be it it might be something else right uh whether that's like force projection and force ghosts or or something like that sure you know but i I don't know well i just want to see a card that i still think can be printed say that that's called they fly now 
Question mark? They fly now. Exclamation point. Um, ridiculous. Ridiculous line in a ridiculous yeah. movie. But just the thought. All right. <laughs> let's go to my uh, upgrade. My upgrade is a two-cost command and cunning upgrade called Grand Admiral's Orders. It is an item, a tactic, and it is it gives plus one and uh, plus one attack, plus two uh, health. And the game text says, can only be played on a capital starship. When you take initiative, remove a damage counter on all your space units. It shares the same aspects as Grand Admiral Thrawn. The whole point of this thing is you've gotten, you've received the orders from the the from Thrawn. Thrawn's battle orders, his tactics. You know what you're supposed to be doing. This is meant to give you a boost as the command ship or whatever who has it, so you get a little stats boost. But at the same time, Grand Admiral Thrawn likes to play with the initiative. He likes to have, you know, the upper hand. And how do you do that? Well, when you're ready to take the upper hand and you grab the initiative, you heal all of your units and they're now ready and sort of they're improved for the next fight. And I thought that that would be a pretty solid um, thing to have. But taking the initiative is something that you might not have you might not get to do every single turn because if your opponent takes it first you don't have the opportunity to take it so this goes into the planning the the analysis of what the turn structure is going to look like it's going to reward the player who knows precisely when to take the initiative away from the opponent because if you say i'm going to do this he's going to do this i'm going to do that she's going to do that and then i take it or Maybe I have them on not doing that second move. So maybe they have one action and then they plan on passing. So maybe I only get, I have to take the initiative on the second one. And that's what I'm going to do. Take the initiative, heal all my dudes. And then we're, we're waiting for the next fight and, and we'll see. So this rewards your, your timing and your assessment of what the game state is as well. This is going to sound really weird, but what I like most about this card is that in the traits you gave it tactic because what we've seen so far out of our items and our weapons and and upgrades in general uh from the cards revealed anyway is that they all have things that are strictly like weapon oriented right we have item weapon lightsaber right for vader's lightsaber for example what we haven't seen is the interplay between upgrades and other tags the way we have with with others right so we know that there are force units but now that we've got force choke revealed, we also know there are force events. And so if you have a card that says like, you know, look at the top card of your deck, if it's a force card, draw it, that would draw both. And what you've done here is you've given tactic to an upgrade, which would allow that interplay in a Thrawn centric deck where you would be looking for tactics. So when I look at this, that's what I like the most about this. I mean, like all of it makes sense. Um, but what you did there, I actually really like from like the bringing it all home sort of feel sure um well think about it this way it's i you're you're exactly right about this and i wouldn't have put that tag on it without seeing force on an event or something like that or or or, or having those types of taglines or tribals or whatever sort of cross-pollinate between types of cards upgrades events units etc what i like about this also is that an upgrade doesn't have to be a tangible thing. 
It doesn't have to be a tangible thing. An upgrade can be a mentality. An upgrade can be uh, a new outlook, a new information for that matter, you know? Uh, and in this case, you are with you are in a battle and you just got, you know, a Holonet transmission, uh, you know, from high command that says Grand Admiral Thrawn has new orders. Here are the orders on how to engage in this in this battle. And it's like big boost. We're like, all right, great. Transmit it within the fleet. We're ready to go. Let's take initiative. Everybody's rejuvenated. Everybody's gets a little boost. We're good to go. I, I thought it was great. I, I was thinking at first, the first thought I had in my mind was um, Thrawn himself as an upgrade uh, of a hev- like a hefty cost upgrade where it was actually going to be the Thrawn unit where you could put him in space or on the ground. But I'm like, no, we can sort of split this up. Ultimately, he could be on the ground commanding from afar i you know it's funny i really wanted when i was initially trying to conceptualize the jetpack i wanted to have it instead of gaining saboteur be when played on a mandalorian move them to the space arena (laughs) because like they just now they're flying around right but I was like, well, it's not really space, you know, like, yeah, they don't really like blast off into orbit and now they're fighting TIE fighters. So I, I reeled that back. But it's, you know, it's funny that we both had that desire, right, where you want because there are so many ways to represent some of these characters in both realms. You you naturally want to do that. There you go. All right. So that that uh, does it, I suppose. That's, for... that's part of our mini sets. Yeah, there we go. The flake, uh, the, the Wampa Radio virtual set is flushing out really nice uh we've got a mandalorian theme a thrawn theme um i'm surprised neither of us did any wampa related stuff but I guess- yeah i had i thought about wanting to do the wampa thing but i i i knew that i had wanted to do like a theme across because i also think that like that's the best way to showcase game design is when you see how the pieces fit together right mm-hmm. your world building like so that's part of building a game is it's not just one card at a time everything exists in the same pool and in the same realm as everything else and i wanted to showcase that and so because i knew we were doing upgrades units and events i was like all right well i could do the wampa and i could do like an event you know maybe it's like you know wampa roar or maybe i do something like i thought about doing an event called disarm and it was just going to be you know the wampa loses his arm but then i kept struggling when i got to the upgrade i was like well let's Let's think about something else then. And that's when I went with the Mandalorian theme because I, I wanted the the seismic charge. Like, that's what sold me. I was like, man, once I got to that, I was like, yeah, we're, we're doing that. <laughs> there's a uh, there's a card in Star Wars CCG called Disarmed, but it's Ponda Baba's arm on the ground. Oh, that's a good one, too. Yeah, uh, which could be cool. It could be an event that's basically like if you have a character armed with a lightsaber, remove like destroy... Uh, Remove um, a ca- an opposing character's all of their their upgrades and damage them by three, like that could yeah. be fascinating. That's an idea. There's a part of there you go. There's another spoiler yeah. for what the Wampa See, Radio I set. I love the idea, and so going even further, right? Here's the the window to my mind. I love the idea of going like here's disarm, right? And it's Panda Baba, but here's your chase alternate art where it's Vader chopping off Luke's hand. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I want I want to showcase like some of those iconic events that happen all throughout. Like you get the one where it's like Anakin loses an arm or whatever, right? And so 
then when you build your deck and you get three copies of disarm it's one of each so that you can tell all those stories that's that's what i want here's a charmer charmer named card for you it's called out of hand and it's it's an event and it says when you when your opponent has deployed uh three or more units on this turn uh uh, they choose one to be lost or to be destroyed and it's the picture is of luke getting his his hand cut off yeah you know what else i all, almost really wanted to do but i couldn't bring myself to do it oh what kind of disgusting awful an, an event titled somehow palpatine returns i would that is so <laughs> terrible because it just writes itself you know yeah if a dark jedi <laughs> or if a, if a if a force user has been just been lost off the board bring him back <laughs> No, so what I was actually going to do is it was going to be um, if your uh, leader is Emperor Palpatine, you can remove the epic action token from them. So basically, you'd be allowed to redeploy him after oh. he died. That's what I was originally thinking, mm -hmm. because right now you deploy him once, and then when they you know go back to their other side, you cover it with that epic action thing. So I was like, well, what if... Palpatine returned and you just you get rid of that so you have the option to redeploy him again that's where I was going but. I like it I like it a lot that is a that's a solid one all right so what do you guys think what do you you out there in the outer rim territories what do you think of our cool little cards that we came up with uh are they overpowered are they viable we tried to be creative and thematic and i think that we uh we did well here but uh, you can always leave a comment here in the video on youtube or send us a message on uh on Twitter, on Discord, or whatnot. Uh, you, I've gotten a lot of requests, Charmer, um, one of which was that we should be an actual radio station and play music. <laughs> 20, they, I'm not kidding. I got a message saying, have you guys thought about actually expanding this to play music and having like a 24-hour thing? And um, I thought that that would be pretty rad, uh, but I don't know how I, I would be able like to sustain it. Like maybe, yeah, some like copyright issues or something. Because like right now we're allowed to make content around uh, Star Wars Unlimited because most gaming companies will give you um, like this license to do so. There's legal terminology for it. If you're not in the industry, like almost all of them have it. But once you go outside of that and we start playing music, like even if we kept it all Star Wars themed, like at some point... You know, you don't want to anger the mouse, right? I don't want their lawyers calling me. Um, no, the, so, their lawyers like, are busy. It would be really cool. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I would, you know, if, if Disney, hey, if you're listening, you want to hire us to do that, I will do it. And I will do it in the costume of the card we revealed. Like, I will be DJ Death Star laser <laughs> technician if you want to pay me to do it. But, yeah, that would be my my real concern. Oh, it's an idea. The other idea, which was a little bit more plausible, was uh, I got asked a few times about whether or not we have a Discord server. So um, I guess we'll gauge interest on that. Um, there's there, Part of it, the, the, the first thing that kind of crossed my mind was there's not enough Star Wars U stuff out there, I think, to warrant us making um, a Discord server. I think you and I are probably... I'm bad at call it, like curating one as well. But at the same time... That might change, but for now, I think what we want to do is direct people to the official Star Wars U yes, I, Discord server. So I was server. just about to say, um, you and I kind of hang out in there from time to time, so I would absolutely encourage everyone to utilize that, right? 
And then long term, you and I can also gauge interest. I know that you have uh, your own discard for other projects you work on. And I see you post about Wampa Radio in there. Similarly, I have a discord and I've got like a channel dedicated to Star Wars Unlimited where I've been trying to post things. But it's not the same as like cultivating a true you know, Wampa Radio Discord. So maybe as we get closer to the release, when things ramp up, that might be something we do. It does feel a little early, but I'm not against it. I, you know, if, no, if it, that's what people want. It's it's going to be, that's the thing. It's like, we'll see how things go. And as, look, we are so thrilled and absolutely so, um, you know, so much gratitude to everybody who has been incredibly kind and receptive to our our, our Star Wars related, um, you know, <laughs> obsession and just who have been very kind and, and generous with their with their words about what they like about the show and how they very much enjoy it. Fun fact, Charmer, I think I mentioned this to you, but I was at the Calling in Cincinnati, a flesh and blood event. I was and keep in mind, I'm not here to, you know, uh, puff up my own chest. I'm um I'm one of the lead casters for Flesh and Blood. I usually a, a lot of people recognize me at these events. The first person who came to talk to me at this event and said, "Are you Flake?" which I normally get at these events was from somebody who said, "I said, "Yeah." I said, "Nice to meet you." And he said, "You do Wampa Radio." I said, "I do do Wampa Radio." So at a Flesh and Blood event at SCG Con Cincinnati, which is primarily a magic event and then there's Flesh and Blood stuff as well. I had somebody come up to me and ask me, "Are you the guy from Wampa Radio?" And I said, "Yeah, that's, isn't that isn't that crazy?" That, that I mean, that's right up there with when I was at the Pro Tour Baltimore for Flesh and Blood. And while I'm not, you know, as cool as Flake, I also do, you know, some casting for Flesh and Blood. And I, I've done casting for a bunch of games. I'm going to Battle Spirits Pro Tour this weekend as we film this. Um, but I had somebody approach me, and they're like, "Hey, are you Charmer?" And I was like, "Yeah, I am." And he goes. The one from Artifact, which is like such a deep cut because it had two uh, or excuse me, three events total, like total. Right. So whenever people recognize me from that, I'm like, wow, you're like you're you're one of the, you know, 200 people that actually saw me. Yes. And so the person who came to talk to me, his name is Andrew Myers. And Andrew Myers actually gave me a cool idea about uh, about basis because he was always mentioning about how. He thought that there was going to be more um, elaborate bases. And the idea that he gave me, I'm not going to share now because I want to give him full credit and give him full runway to sort of express part of what the idea was. But we were kind of shooting back and forth about what this idea was. And I think that it's an incredibly, incredibly smart idea uh, regarding bases. But we're going to save that for a future episode because that to me is something that I can talk about probably for 15 to 20 minutes. And we're already up against it as this uh, episode is approaching the danger zone. So I think I think it's time to get into the mailbag, Charmer. What say you on that? I agree. It's time for the bad feeling mailbag. I got a bad feeling about this. I have a bad feeling about this. I've got a bad feeling about okay. it. Quiet. All right. So as always, every week we take your questions. We got a few, but um, Charmer and I apparently talk too much because our are, uh, and I quote from our conceptualizing this show, yeah, no more than like 70 minutes an episode. Well, so much for that. Uh, yeah. as, I get ex- It's my fault, and so I'm sorry, but I get so excited, man. Like, I wanted to talk about 
so many of these cards and then when you get me off the rails about game design stuff like i just nerd out i know it's my fault i'm sorry well i'm like look it's it's something that you and i are incredibly passionate about and for those who don't know you know charmer and i see each other very rarely uh albeit a lot more frequently lately but ultimately when we do see each other this is what we talk about like this is what we hang out with if when when we're not making fun of cracker barrel this is what we're doing um and it's great and it's awesome because this is what we want to do. So there's no, don't feel bad about it, buddy. Okay. Um, yeah. I listen, true story. I've been walking around the Toronto Zoo with my wife and kids and Flake, and we were talking about cards at the zoo. Yeah. So this is 100% fact. <laughs> your, your poor son being like, look, daddy, the gorillas. And you're like, yeah, hold on a second. We're talking about the best way to, to, to the best way to block out Dorinthia. You know, <laughs> like that's kind of what we're saying. Okay. We have a submission charmer. What is our question of the week from the mailbag? So this comes from Slip Capone, which I got to say is actually just a fantastic name. I dig it. Uh, They ask, do you worry that action cheating could get out of hand like in Destiny? At the moment, it feels fine with the double attack cards, but my player base already has concerns it will get out of hand and ruin one of the core principles of the game, i.e. action for action. Well... Okay, so this was sent to, through Discord to me privately, and if ever you guys have questions for the show, uh, never hesitate to DM us. Our DMs are always open, and um, that's just a fun way. You can probably find us on the Star Wars U Discord server. Just look up our name. Ultimately, I, I, I had a conversation briefly with Slip Capone about this, and I said, you know what? This is a very deep topic that we could probably do a whole episode on, but we're gonna we're gonna answer the question here, and maybe this warrants a relook down the road. But what I said was, yes, this is a concern. It's a concern in that it if if overdone, it can ruin things. And the example I said was, any mechanic in Magic that allows you to take an extra turn can eventually be busted and broken and create these infinite loops that give you incremental advantages over time that eventually win you the game, but it takes a long time and it's annoying and it's tedious. I don't think that this is in the same vein of taking in extra actions because eventually all the stuff will get burnt out. But I lived through the Nexus of Fate garbage, which basically (laughs) made me quit magic. I'm not kidding you. A box topper that you needed four of was essentially once the combo hit off the first time, like once they started the combo, you had to sit there and watch them circle jerculate themselves until they eventually won the game. And it was the worst feeling. Do I feel like Star Wars Unlimited has the potential to do that? Well, not from the cards given. And I also don't believe that these go-again chains of action after action after action will attain nexus of level of uh, nexus of fate levels of degeneracy. But I can see how they can become annoying, broken, uninteractive, and ultimately um, ultimately dissuade people from, from playing the game. So what I will say is I like those kinds of mechanics. I think that they're good, but I also think that they should be few and far between, much like, you know, um, you know, certain cards in certain games that do busted things, like you know, maybe there, maybe the deck has one or two of them or something like that, or, you know, but that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I actually kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. 
what I will say uh, to try to keep it brief because we're already running long and again, it's my fault. And I absolutely could talk about the back and forth action system and the complexities of it for a, a very long time, because I think that there's a lot of things folks aren't necessarily considering. Uh, but what I will say is this. Uh, what would worry me would be a very high volume of the effects where you are required to play those and only those, which would then negate a large part of your game. And I would hope that we're not going to approach that. But I'm not worried that they exist just because, uh, again, they're very akin to any other when played effect. It's just that it's by, by making it be an attack, what they're actually doing is they're putting a requirement on you where you have to have a, another unit to take advantage of it, at least with these ones, right? Where you play a unit, and if you want another one to attack, you have to have the requirement. It's almost like saying, in, instead, here's a when-played effect, but it only works if you spot a trooper, right? All they did is they made the thematic part of what you're actually doing is making this unit take another action. You're giving the order, which I like. Now, one of the other things that I think you need to consider just real quick, right, again, I won't do the deep dive, is that when these cards get value is only when both players are still actively participating in a turn. Whenever somebody takes the initiative and they have opted now to pass for the rest of the action for the turn, all of these, like, when I play a card, do another thing, don't matter. You are going to get to do the thing anyway. All that value is entirely in your head at that point. What's actually happening is not free actions, right? So when you get the value is only when you're cheating the extra action in during the interplay of you and me. And what I think you're going to find is when you play through the games, it won't be as deep as what you're imagining because a lot of the times your turns are going to be like, I spend all my resources to play my unit and then I attack with my units and my turn is done. And so you're going to have, you know, three to five passes back and forth per turn. So the other um, the other part about this is that the actions that they're opening up for you are not wide open. They're not um, they're not, you know, just carte blanche to do whatever the hell you want. It's like, OK, you have like here's the extra action. It is this. It's attack with a rebel. It's not do this and then take another action, whatever the hell you want. It's right. So you can't chain it together it's like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna attack with this and then i'm gonna take the initiative no it's i'm gonna do this i'm gonna attack with this and then i'm gonna swing in with this little rebel and then my turn is yeah. over um and yeah and and i i understand the concern uh slip capone capone yeah. but uh yeah, slip, slip capone yeah what i what i would say like i said is volume and value you don't want a point where there are so many of them and they have such good value that you just don't play the things that don't do it Perfect. And that, and that ends the, the mailbag. So um, we're going to cut the mailbag short. There, was, there were other submissions, but we're going to probably roll them over into next week. A lot of the, the, the mailbag stuff, we do kind of keep in a vault because there will be weeks where it's slow, and maybe we just answer questions all day. But there is another little fun fact that you and I and a mystery third person have been discussing that will get sorted out as we have a meeting next week. But the Whopper Radio family might be expanding with some pretty significant firepower. I don't know what else to say. We're, we're trying to deploy an upgrade card. We are. We are <laughs> trying to... Um, all, I'll, all I will say is this, is that a good friend of Charmer and I 
who is loads more successful than us, uh, happens to be a fan of the show, happens to be a fan of the the game, the IP, obviously, and reached out and said, how can I be involved? And we said, back off, get your own sandwich. That's what we said. No, what we said was, let's sit down and let's talk because we'd, we'd love to, to have you on board. So stay tuned for that. Um, it's going to be pretty rad. That's it. That's all. That's it. That's it. That's all. Is this, is this, is this where I do the thing? No, we got we to gotta do the plugs first and everything. And Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no sponsors yet, but hey, we're open for business. Uh, beyond that, friends, we just want to say thank you again for listening to Wampa Radio and for putting up with us. Uh, and uh, you can always contact us through Twitter at Wampa Radio if you have questions. You can also get in touch with uh, Charmer at ThatCharm3R on Twitter. I'm at WatchFlake on Twitter. And we're on um, Discord. We'll, 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 we'd love to hear from you on Discord, and that's a great way to connect. And that's it. That's all. Just uh, please, I, I also want to remind people that the best way to support the channel is to just obviously follow along on, on whatever podcast platform that you listen to on YouTube. But give us a five-star review. It's free. It costs nothing. And... Again, in this algorithmocracy that we live in, it is imperative that some bigger powers know that you like us enough to hit five stars. Yeah, like and subscribe, bro. Slam that subscribe button and use the code MANDALORIAN5 to get 5% off your... Uh, All right, now you're just making fun of me. Jetpack fuel. I don't know. I honestly don't. I'm not making fun of you. I'm, I'm making fun oh, of... Oh, I, I just assumed you were because... Th- <laughs> the other projects that i work oh on no, no 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 promo codes that ended with the number five sure so the I, fact I, that you did that i had those two. Oh, dude i had those two i had isp 10 to get 10 percent off at bcw supplies which you probably could still use because i don't know if they ever turned it down turned it off but uh, uh yeah no you're you're affiliated with realm games on your on the clash ground and stuff like that so yeah. dude anything that supports the realm i i support as well but ultimately Hey, if the realm wants to sponsor us, <laughs> that's a conversation too. But we'll 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 get to that when we get to that. And right now, all we want is for you guys to just remain kind to one another and keep tuning into Wampa Radio. Charmer, may the force be with you.